G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. Games and Brains, where things like e-sports, online and computer games have become very, very popular and especially with boys and men. And there's a disturbing new game that's coming out early next year that is likely to be extremely controversial especially in the United States, but Christians everywhere will be concerned. It's called Far Cry 5. It's a shoot-em-up style computer game that declares what looks like open season on a twisted version of so-called Christians in the United States. Now, if you're concerned about how Christians are being portrayed in this era of culture change, you won't want to miss our conversation that's coming up. Our special guest, uh, live from the United States, Brad Huddleston, who specialises in technology addiction, and he's joining us to talk about games and brains. Brad is a respected speaker, consultant, teacher and author on technology and culture. He's worked with universities, schools, churches and law enforcement to uh, to, uh, to spoken to tens of thousands around the world on both the advantages of well-used technology tools and the dangers of the growing trend towards technology addiction. And Brad is joining us from Virginia in the United States. Hello, Brad Huddleston. Welcome along to 2020. Oh, Neil, thank you so much. Always an honor to be part of the Vision Radio family. Well, Brad, a lot of our listeners are so familiar with you and uh, your books and DVDs are available in the Vision Store. And so I know a lot of people have availed themselves of the opportunity to uh, capture your wisdom on so many topics and something similar to today. Let's talk about games and brains, and we'll get into talking about this very controversial game that's not out yet. So we are uh, talking about it in a preview sense, but, but when we talk about games and brains, this is a, a, a phenomenon, isn't it, that swept the world, computer games, and uh, I imagine it does have quite a significant impact on those who play them. Well, it certainly does, Neil, and I've asked the question, obviously writing two books that includes a lot of information about video games. I've asked the question, why is this such a global phenomenon? Why do, for example, 97% of our American households play video games? What is the thing that, that is in common around the world? And that would be addiction, quite literal addiction, hence the name digital cocaine. So yes, uh, at first when the games swept the planet, people were saying, oh, it improves hand-eye coordination and you know, they're educational, and they're causing my children to think, well, in 2016, there came a tipping point where it uh, wasn't any longer controversial for me to say, hey, we need to take a second look at these video games, and especially with uh, virtual reality goggles and augmented reality goggles just around the corner. They're already out, but I think you're going to see some technology about to emerge in both of those spheres that will be mind-blowing, and of course... The ones who are really sinking the most money into that would be the pornographers, which they always have. They invented the streaming technology 
that is used on the Internet. And in fact, uh, we have people listening to, to us right now over the Internet, which is a good thing, but it was the pornographers that put the money into it. But closely on its heels are video games, and often the two are related when you study people who are addicted to video games. You're usually fine. They're also addicted to pornography. Uh, let's talk about the technology and we'll get into some of these things and of course in, interested in what listeners might have to say uh, when we talk about the technology you mentioned uh, virtual reality and augmented reality and the way that technology is moving uh, it's not as though uh, these sorts of games are going to become less popular in fact uh, the growth of popularity is uh, is substantial and on the increase uh, ex- explain if, if you're able to uh, you know when, when we talk about um uh, virtual reality, augmented reality. What does that mean, uh, Brad? Sure. Well, the virtual reality goggles, you're totally encased with the goggles over your head, and the cameras that are used are 360 degrees. So when you put the goggles on, you've probably seen people looking up, down, sideways, uh, and every which way, because the video is truly a 360-degree ball that you can interact with. Augmented reality goggles are very similar to the 2D version, which a lot of people would be familiar with Pokemon, where you're actually looking through the camera on your phone, which you're looking in front of you, and you can see the real world, but augmented or uh, overlaid on top of that would be the virtual world that you're interacting with. So basically with the virtual world, you're talking about Oculus Rift would be the biggest company, and then Samsung would probably be up there, and then Samsung Oculus have actually teamed up. And uh, the phones, the Samsung phones, for example, you can purchase with the newer ones. Uh, You can purchase the virtual reality goggles, and already uh, there are a whole host of video games. You can uh, download uh, lots and lots of pornography, as you could well expect. But with the augmented reality, that's been a little slower in coming, but the biggest splash that will be made with that will be the Microsoft version, which is going to be called HoloLens. And it's not a big surprise that Microsoft purchased um, Minecraft for $2.5 billion to convert that into uh, their HoloLens version of Minecraft. And the reason is because Minecraft is the most popular video game in the world in terms of sales, subscription-based video games. And one of the the reasons is that they used what is called the variable reward ratio algorithm, which is the same uh, psychology that was put into slot machines at the pokies to get people addicted, where they allow the person playing the slot machines to win 20% of the time, and they lost 80% of the time. Hence, that's why we say the house always wins. But that thought of pulling the handle and saying, this will be the one, this will be the one, this will be the one, and sometimes it is, These drips of dopamine get into the brain. Dopamine is very good for you until you get too much. When you get too much, it becomes very addictive. So they took that very same algorithm, and they incorporated that into Minecraft. So instead of the handle that you pull on the slot machines, it's now the pickaxe and the oars. And the children, this was billed as an education game, still is uh, billed as an education game, but they built that in so that the children, which their brains are the most vulnerable because they're underdeveloped, They get addicted very, very quickly. And so as they go around the pickaxe and the oars, their brain says, this will be the one, this will be the one that I'll win the diamonds and the gold. And so they get addicted very quickly. And so Microsoft purchased Minecraft to convert that into a virtual reality game. And it's going to be like uh, Pokemon on steroids. No, it's not Pokemon, but I'm saying if you're familiar with that overlay technology, 
the goggles are going to take that up to a whole new level. The first game they're going to release will be Minecraft. I've seen it, actually. So, for example, with Minecraft, the 2D version, the children are assembling things. It's sort of like Legos on steroids, and they're building things, and it's being sold, again, as an education game where the children are taught to build and they have to think and so forth. Uh, in this case, it's 3D, so you attach all the things that you are building to any flat surface in your room, which would be a coffee table, kitchen table. You can attach things to the wall. So you walk around with the goggles, and you'll actually pick things up with your hands, uh, all the building blocks. But what they're not telling you is, is this variable reward ratio algorithm has been built in so that large, large quantities of this very addictive, pleasurable chemical called dopamine, it's a neurotransmitter, gets flooded into the brain and it gets you hooked. And then, of course, once you get hooked, much like cigarettes, you keep buying or subscribing to the game. So in a nutshell, Neil, that's what the HoloLens, which is the augmented reality goggles that's not quite out. The prototypes are out, the SDKs for the developers to develop things with. They're out, and you can get them. But uh, they will be coming out from Microsoft probably next year, uh, we think. Not quite sure, but the virtual reality goggles have already made a big splash, and, of course, gaming is, is absolutely huge. Well, Brad, a great summary of the technology that is either here or is coming. But the issue of being immersed into the game uh, so that you are actually then a part of the game, uh, becoming part of the machine in some sense, uh, is there brain research uh, on video gamers that talks about the sorts of effects that there are on the brain of the gamer? There, there most certainly has been a, a lot. I can't say enough, but there has been a lot of brain research. I'm working my way through a book called Glow Kids by Dr. Nicholas Cardaris. He is a neuroscientist up in New York who has a detox center. And I found it very fascinating, some of the work that he's done. Uh, there's a psychological term now called game transfer phenomena. In layman's terms, they call it the Tetris effect. And this is where the psyche of a gamer gets molded into the game, and then when they come out into the real world and they exit the virtual, they get very confused because they can't tell where they are. And in one case, one uh, young person said that he started to have panic attacks because when he came out from playing Minecraft, and he came out in the real world. The trees in the real world were round, but there were square in Minecraft, and so it sent him off into a real psychotic state of confusion. And with this GDP, I'll just read a little bit from Dr. Kodaris' book and what this entails. Um, it, it says that it's a phenomenon in which obsessive video gamers begin to see the shapes and patterns of their games intrusively into their waking thoughts and even their dreams. And so it never leaves them. And they first started noticing this uh, with the 1980s video game going all the way back to Tetris. So with this, the symptoms would also include involuntary sensations, thoughts. Now, the key word here, involuntary. So it begins to take over. They can't help it. So I'll back up. Their symptoms included involuntary sensations, thoughts, actions, and or reflexes even in relation to the video game, sometimes hours or even days after they had stopped playing. So you're starting to see with the immense uh, gaming that is happening, especially with some of these that require 40 hours, up to 40 hours to even complete. Some children are logging thousands of hours, and you can actually keep track of how many hours you're in a game, especially the multiplayer games. 
they're starting to experience this GDP or game transfer phenomena. And in some cases, they have to be admitted to psychiatric wards and uh, have a lot of counseling and even medication sometimes to separate them from the game so that they can then learn, relearn how to cope in the real world. It's much like someone who's had an injury where they have become immobilized and uh, for an extended period of time, and then through therapy they have to, for example, relearn how to walk. So it, it, these are extreme things we are talking about. But with the advent of the virtual reality, the extreme stimulation that is starting to happen, the brain just cannot handle it. And once people get addicted, you're starting to see these things pop up. So I think you're seeing a little bit of a glimpse of our future when we talk about GDP or game transfer phenomena. In other areas of research that have been done in the brain, young people, for example, will, will say after they hear me give a, a talk, they'll, they'll get a little bit angry. Now, not all kids do, but some do. They'll get angry and they'll say in a defiant way with their arms folded, they'll say, well, research also shows that video games improve hand-eye coordination. And I think they're a bit taken aback when I agree with them because it does show that. But then I'll say, well, what I need to do is quote uh, the rest of the research. Uh, the, the, the research does show that for a while it does improve hand-eye coordination, but there's another part of the brain that starts to get damaged, and you can't separate the two. In other words, you, you can't just do the positive part without the other part. They're connected. Your brain is all connected. And the negative part is, after a while, uh, you get addicted. And all of the things that come with addiction start to outweigh the positive, and then the whole thing comes crashing down. And that doesn't take very long, especially the more interactive the game and uh, the more stimulating the game. So for, for a season, you will see some improvement in some people. They might even learn in some of the education games. But even with education games, the negative, the longer you play, the negative will eventually take over and bring everything down, and you can't separate the two. So in a nutshell, that is some of the more prominent brain studies that have been done. There's a television show here, a news program, Neil, called 2020. It's on television. It's got a good name, hasn't it? It's produced by (laughs) a great name, isn't it? And it's produced by ABC, but it's the American Broadcasting Corporation here in America. They recently ran a show with a whole bunch of neuroscientists, but they were talking about the anger uh, that children have when they get addicted to video games, and they were showing some of the brain scans. And so finally we're starting to see some validation because, as you probably know, when I first brought the dark side of technology to you guys, and you guys were the first to give me distribution, um, I mean the first on the planet, um, there was a lot of pushback in my world, but now that's all gone. 2016 cured that. Now I'm in such demand I can't take everything. Well, I always say yes, but I have to push things for them further into the future. That's why I'm fiercely loyal to Vision Radio. I love you guys to bits, and uh, I'm so honored to be with you. Well, it's always good having your insights uh, on these particular issues. And I want to take this a step deeper, because uh, some will say, well, how do you go deeper than talking about addictive behaviors and uh, even from the idea of good things like hand-eye coordination being improved, but this addictive behavior, because I want to take this a step deeper, Brad. Uh, What happens when there are those forces uh, that try to then influence political and ideological positions 
into games and how influential that might be on those young people playing them because this is where we're headed in our conversation today when we start to talk some more about this Far Cry 5 uh, video game but uh, but this idea of political and ideological positions uh, it presents a serious worry doesn't it It most certainly does Neil there's um, well since we had the election with our president Trump and even well, especially before that, a lot of violence was starting to show itself even then from the left. And we're not talking about just the Democrats. It was more uh, specifically from the crowd that would follow Bernie Sanders. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean that Bernie Sanders was behind it, but it was the people with the soci- uh, socialism mindset. And you may have been, I'm sure you heard in our news last week, one of Bernie Sanders' followers um, he was running against Hillary Clinton for the Democratic nomination for president and lost to her. And then, of course, she lost to Donald Trump in the actual election. Just to provide some content, uh, context for our listeners as to who Bernie Sanders is. But one of his followers took a gun and some Republicans were preparing for the annual uh, Republican versus Democrats baseball game. And they were practicing here in Virginia. And uh, he showed up with a rifle and started to shoot uh, at the congressmen who were, it's it's where congressmen and senators get together. And that and story was widely reported other. in our news here too, Brad, just to uh, to let right. you know that uh, we are aware of that story. Yes, keep going. Well, that's, so what you're talking about in Far Cry 5, you're talking about a game, it's not out yet, but I have, like you, read with great interest at what this is all about. Um, what What we're talking about is a game in a series, that's why it's number five, where it's a shooter game. This one is uh, really takes place in Montana, in Hope County, Montana. And for our listeners who are obviously not maybe completely familiar with America, Montana has a reputation. It's a beautiful state. I've been there. Uh, absolutely gorgeous, and the people there are wonderful. But uh, they do have a lot of militia groups that hang out there. Some, I believe, are true patriots, and I think some are cultic, and some are you know, violent, and some are left-wing, some are right-wing. They're skinheads there, and they tend to go there because it's a very rural, you know, mountainous region where you can be a prepper and, and hide and all that sort of stuff and train and do weird stuff. So the game is set in Montana, and the, the graphic that they released to show what is coming out is of a bunch of hillbillies or rednecks, and I'm not... Um, disparaging of either of those terms. I am from Appalachia here, <laughs> the Appalachian Mountains of uh, Virginia, and so we, we like hillbillies. We like mountain music or bluegrass music and rednecks and all that, but these are the, the nefarious group that would uh, pervert a lot of the things that um, country people here would, would not be evil with. And I hope I'm trying, to, I'm trying to make some sort of sense to say that uh, they would take the American flag in this example uh, and pervert the American flag and make it represent things that the real American flag does not actually represent. And so what you see is a group of uh, Christian, uh, it's, a, it's a Christian cult, and they're around a table, and it, and it mimics the Last Supper, sort of like the redneck Last Supper. And so you see a Bible uh, laid out in front of the leader, and there's an American flag draped over the table, and there's a bunch of guns and knives and bows and arrows and a bunch of rocket launchers and, and automatic weapons and assault rifles and that sort of thing, and a bunch of rednecks sitting around this table. And in front of them is a, a man kneeling in front of the table with the word sinner scrawled uh, across his back. 
And so this is this game is very disturbing because this makes the real Christians to be the enemy. And so the, one of the scenes that they show in the trailer is of this cultic Christian group going into a real church and firing on real Christians. Now, what has everyone concerned is that uh, the, the perception that they're trying to give is that the people who voted for Donald Trump are, are these right-wing fundamentalist Christians and they should die. So it's advocating violence, or it seems to be advocating violence toward people who would have voted for him. And it makes it look like that everyone who voted for him is like that and they should die. And, of course, we've seen a lot of stand-up comedians here in America from the left in Hollywood advocating that uh, of violence against Donald Trump. Uh, there have been um, – Madonna, for example, said she wanted to blow up the White House. And one of the comedians recently uh, held up a decapitated head of Donald Trump. Things that if, if that would have happened from a Republican toward uh, Mr. Obama, there would have been an outcry unlike we've never had. But they get away with it for some reason. And these video games get away with it as well. But it does advocate violence. And last week, the shooting in northern Virginia at those congressmen is, is just, just goes to show you how volatile things are right now. And the last thing I think we need is a, a, a left-wing video coming out like this portraying Christians in this way. So Far Cloud 5 is doing that, and uh, we'll have to see how popular it's going to be. The other four were, were moderately popular, and it does advocate violence against other Americans, particularly those who would have who voted for Donald Trump, and we're already seeing that. All right. So, uh, and I might say, just as a quick aside, obviously he won in our Electoral College by a landslide, so it was far more demographically speaking, than just country people who believe in the Bible who voted for him. Conservatives in general obviously did. But, you know, they're they're making this whole thing, I think, a bit more volatile when most of us here in America don't agree with either side fully. We just want to move forward and see the, the country healed and prospered and moving forward. So video games like this, uh, I don't think we need them. Visions 2020 with Neil Johnson. A biblical perspective on life culture and current events. Our special guest this hour is Brad Huddleston, a speaker, consultant, teacher and author on technology and culture. Uh, we are talking about games and brains this hour. Uh, talk back line open on 1-800-316-316. Uh, Brad, let's take a call from Russell in Slacks Creek in Queensland. Hello, Russell. Welcome along. Hello. How are you? Good, Russell. What are your thoughts on our conversation today? What um, interest me, it's been on my mind for years when I first seen um, I'm with my spherical grand, um, my spherical children yesterday, right? And my spherical grandson's about four year old and there's a new program on television in the kids programs called Dot and he kept on watching it over and over and my spherical son told him to turn it up, he was getting annoyed because he's watching the same program Anyway, um, the, spirit, the grandson kept going back to it, so my spherical son turned it off in the end, and my spherical grandson just went bonkers. He just went right off. Anyway, I'm talking to my spherical son about it. Years ago, I seen they put um, stuff on a program where the parents could not pick it up, but the children could. And I was wondering, are they starting to put stuff on the programs 
1250 children with television. Now let's get a thought or two from Brad Huddleston. Uh, Brad, uh, are you across uh, those sorts of things that's, that Russell's talking about? It was a little hard to hear, Neil. I believe that he was talking about the anger and the agitation when they were unable to watch a series that they were wanting to watch. Is that and, what I heard? And, uh, and talking about whether children may be actually able to see some things uh, in television programs that are directed to them that might be, uh, you know, it's reaching children, but adults are not picking up some of those things that are quite addictive. Well, I, I'm not, you know, directly familiar with any research that, picks that very thing apart. But what I can tell you is, is that when you talk about addiction, uh, when you talk about cigarette addiction, you talk about uh, some of the side effects would be breathing problems such as emphysema. When you talk about um, alcoholism, the, the side effect would be cirrhosis of the liver. When you talk about digital addiction, which would include television and binge watching on Netflix and things like that, the top symptom is anger and agitation. And then, um, most certainly, by, by virtue of children knowing the culture much better than, say, their grandparents, because they're very connected all the time, certainly they would pick up things that their parents and possibly, or their grandparents and possibly their parents wouldn't pick up, just because of the demographic, where the kids are connected and watching much, much more of the culture through their devices than their parents and grandparents, although the grandparents are catching up. So absolutely, I think it's totally feasible to say that they would indeed pick up things. Spiritually, um, I think, you know, the, the devil is in anything evil, so I think that would probably be about equal uh, in effect. But the underdeveloped brains, from a, from a physiological point of view, of the children would also be a lot more malleable, a lot more prone to these addictions and, and much quicker. And so the side effects... Uh, the agitation would be would be much greater. Thank you so much to Russell from Slacks Creek in Queensland. Our talkback line open on one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen. Let's take a call from Sue in Underwood in Queensland. Hello, Sue. Welcome along. Hello. How are you? I'm well, thank you, Sue. What are your thoughts, or do you have a question for our guest? I actually have a question. This is quite amazing because I actually woke up thinking about. Um, Brad this morning, thinking I wouldn't mind getting onto his website to actually. Um, <laughs> find out some things and ask you a question you're on the radio I'm like oh my gosh it's amazing <laughs> so it's really cool so what's your question for Brad uh, the question is um, how do you bring back um, balance into the home environment um, in regards to computer games and things like that um, I can see um, agitation and anger and that sort of thing uh, in our youngest son uh, who likes playing the different games. He's uh, 16, so he has to have some sense of responsibility uh, doing homework on the computer and all that sort of thing uh, and the fact that they need a computer. Uh, but we don't have um, the situation in our house where we can actually have the computer in a separate place. Um, it has to actually be in the bedroom because that's where the only other phone line is and it can't be in the lounge room because it's just in the unit. that room. So let's get a response from Brad. Uh, it's a question about balance here, Brad. Well, balance by definition, and I call it eye balance, what most people think of balance is, is the pan and the fulcrum. And when they're at equal levels, that's balance. But the name of the book is called Digital Cocaine, and I'm telling you that because that cover of that 13-year-old with a straw down onto his iPhone snorting those zeros and ones, which looks like cocaine, comes from brain scans. Now, these are 
functional magnetic resonating imaging or fMRI brain scans. When you look at the brain scans of people who are addicted to cocaine, a very stimulating drug, and you look at the brain scans of people who have crossed over into digital addiction, uh, they are very, very similar. So balance, unlike some of the other drugs where you can wean, with digital technology, you have to go cold turkey. And the diagnosis for someone who is addicted is called a hyperstimulated prefrontal cortex. The reward system in their brain has been hijacked, and we know how long it takes for that to reset. It takes four to six weeks for that to reset. And you cannot have any technology, including television, for that amount of time. So in South Korea, for example, where they now have 400 digital digital detox rehab centers, they put people of all ages in there, children as young as three, and the first thing they do is confiscate every digital technology that's on those children because you can't do just a little bit and be balanced. So balance is about 85-15%, meaning... 15% a day for ages 12 and up, your brain can handle digital technology. 85% of the remaining time has to be analog or non-digital. And it's very questionable with children 0 to 11 as to how much they can handle, if any, at all. Now, that's just the phys physiological limitations of their brains. So balance in the digital world is after you have detoxed four to six weeks, then you come back to the good part of technology. For example, Neil, if I were going to be a little bit late arriving at the station when I come down there in September and I'm going to come and visit with you, hopefully, if I'm running late because of traffic and I send you a text message, that's not going to hurt me. Brad, I'm going to need to cut in because we're about to go to news. And uh, I hope that, Sue, uh, there was some good light on your issue there by way of uh, detox uh, complete removal of that device, and uh, it takes four to six weeks to get a, a new balance. We are taking calls on one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen. We'll take more calls after Vision National News. Brad Huddleston's our guest. Back with more shortly. We were talking about what happens when you combine political and ideological positions into games. What might that mean? And taking that a step further, are there spiritual implications of video games? So, Brad Huddleston, when we talk about these video games, uh, and we're talking about it uh, in a sense as a Christian commentator, when you talk about the spirituality of, of computer games, is there something there to be particularly concerned about as Christian believers? Neil, any time addiction sets in, it happens in the brain. Dr. Archibald Hart, who is a scientist and a clinical psychologist that I often refer to, made a statement in his book titled Thrilled to Death that when your uh, reward center or your nucleus accumbens, the pleasure center, gets hijacked, that is also the same area of our brains that if you actually enjoy deep Bible study, prayer, spiritual pursuits, if you enjoy that, uh, what you end up doing is have that part of the brain hijacked by addiction, which means essentially it drowns out the voice of God, it drowns out uh, anything but that thing that you are addicted to. And then the Apostle Paul tells us in the Scriptures, do not lose self-control. We're commanded spiritually not to do things that will cause us to lose our self-control, because it, the obvious is it opens the door for the enemy of our souls to come in and to wreak havoc in our lives. And so video game addiction is very real. It is physical. It is chemical. 
and it causes you to lose self-control, and spiritually we should be very concerned. And our conversation today anticipates that there's going to be issues with this new game that's coming out, and there may be many, many other games that are similar and possibly even, Brad, worse than Far Cry 5, but this one that we've identified has a particular emphasis, introduces political and ideological positions and paints Christians in a bad light to the point where uh, the promotional image uh, looks a little like The Last Supper. And as you described, the central character in that picture has an open Bible. Uh, there is a portrayal of harvesting the souls of sinners in order to survive. And so there's twists to the way that we might think about harvesting of souls. The idea of the branding of sinners by a Christian-like cult. These things are are very manipulative and certainly don't express what a true Christian looks like. But the intention, as you mentioned, Brad Huddleston, is to in some ways paint Christians Uh, as though they are an extremist outfit. And the idea of then open season hunting down these particular uh, Christians, even though they're called Christians in a cult, is something that we ought to be uh, quite disturbed about. Yes, and there's another image that was released by the publishers of this game, Far Cry 5, of the cult leader standing up with a Bible. But if you look carefully, the Bible has their own cultic logo on the front. So obviously it's a perversion of what you and I would consider to be the real Bible. But they, what they have done is commandeered a church in this image, and they have scrawled uh, the word sinner across the roof of the real church. And then on the top of a pickup truck, they have a dead body laying across the top that has been tied down with a rope, much like what we hillbillies would do with deer during our hunting season, but in this case, it's a Christian. Uh, apparently, it looks like from the church. So they've gone into the church, they've shot up the real Christian, scrawled sinner across it. So what they're doing is branding the real Christians as sinners, and as you say, harvesting them. And then in one of the other images that the publisher released, uh, you see members of a cult pull up in a pickup truck, and they pull up a, a, a an overweight hillbilly out of his home, scrawl the word, word gluttony over his, his house. There's a guy up on the roof painting gluttony, and they're shoving this cultic version of their Bible in his face. And obviously, to me, that looks like they're attacking the real Christians and using the Bible to justify their, their actions. Very, as you say, twisted view, and I'm afraid it's going to get into children and because kids in churches play video games at the same rate as our non-Christian or non-church counterparts, I think they're going to end up with the same worldview. We're taking calls, 1-800-316-316. There are a lot of calls coming through. So uh, let's uh, see if we can uh, take some calls fairly quickly here. Let's first of all take a call from James in Gawler in South Australia. Hello, James. Welcome along. Are you with us, James? James, you might like to call us back one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen. Let's hear from Tom in Logan in Queensland. Hello, Tom. Welcome along. Yes, it's uh, Tom here. Tom, what are your thoughts, or do you have a question? Uh, no, I uh, have a thought. Um, I just want to concur with the the observation on visual disorientation. I've, yep. I've had it happen to myself in the natural. Um, 
I was travelling, this, this is going back a, a long way, uh, travelling the long roads of North Queensland. And uh, as I'm driving along, I'm, I'm focused on the road in front of me because of the potholes at the time. And um, in those days, they had single lane bridges where you had to stop and give way if someone was approaching from the other side. Mm -hmm. So I was stopped facing downhill and for, for waiting for a car to come across. And as I'm sitting there, I had this weird sensation that the car was rolling back up the hill. And uh, I came across an instance uh, later on when I took my kids to the science centre in Brisbane. Uh, they, have, they have a wheel that has like a, uh, a multi-armed cyclonic pa pattern on it. And they spin it for about, you have to look at the centre for 20 minutes, I think it is. Yeah. And then when you stop, you look away and everything just moves. James, we do have very complex brains and uh, all sorts of strange things can happen. Uh, quick response, uh, Brad Huddleston. We absolutely know that this affects you, as do the video game producers, because there are warning labels in front of many of the video games warning, for example, those who uh, have epileptic seizures not to play that game because of the lights that will have a detrimental effect. And what I think is referring to is the GDP or the video game transfer, uh, game transfer phenomena where people will have these reflexes later, sometimes days uh, after they've stopped. And I think that's what he's describing. So it has been studied in, in the context of video games to be a very real phenomena of what uh, he was talking about, absolutely. Thank you so much to James from Gawler in South Australia. Let's take a call from Graham in Tasmania. Hello, Graham. Welcome along. Hello. Look, I'd like to say that, uh, you know, the world is under attack by Satan. And uh, we need to wake up. We need to wake up because the TV, it's throwing all this rubbish at us. Wicked, you know, just wicked programs. And the thing is, why are these things? We've turned from God. Our world is being attacked by uh, terrible, wicked people. And we're being set up to... Uh, we're actually being punished by God at this particular moment. And it hasn't just really got to its full. We need to repent, turn to God, because these things are happening to us because we've turned from God. And Graham, let's get some thoughts uh, from Brad Huddleston. Uh, Brad, on what Graham's sharing? Well, Graham is absolutely right. The, one of the verses that I often quote in my presentations uh, would be Second Corinthians six seventeen. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate. And that's where we get our word holiness from. Come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing. And if you'll do those things, uh, I will receive you. So absolutely, uh, we Christians should be counterculture. Unfortunately, statistically, we are not, and we're paying a heavy price for that. Thank you to Graham from Tasmania. We're taking calls on 1-800-316-316. Anna is in Queensland. Hello, Anna. Welcome along. Hello. Anna, what are your thoughts? Um, I just want to thank Brad and the first for coming up. I play Far Cry. I know I'm just getting a, a warning from him for Far Cry 5. Um, and then the question that I have is, um, is there a place we can go and um, 
the reviews from a Christian's perspective on new games that's been released. A good question, Anna. Uh, is there a is there a website? Is there resources available, Brad, that actually identify uh, what Christian games or what uh, what video games uh, are like from a Christian perspective? Uh, Focus on the Family used to review movies, and I think video games. I'm not aware of any at the moment. A simple Google search would would bring that up rather quickly. But I am not. Um, and I'll tell you why I'm not even interested in that. It's because I have gone to a while back recommending absolutely no video games based on brain scans alone. So I don't, for me, I don't have a use for looking at reviews from Christians to see which ones are acceptable, which ones are not like we do movies. Not against movies, but I am against video games. Um, I try to be objective, even with video game technology. However, we've learned with neuroscience that even education games are just as addictive as their non-education uh, counterparts because the brain does not distinguish content. And with the stimulation increasing daily with these games, uh, I'm just recommending that we go back to board games, card games, and things like that. So I'm not aware of any, and I apologize for that, but a simple Google search, you'd be able to, to find out if there are any websites evaluating video games from a Christian perspective. And Anna, while we've still got you, did you say that you already play the Far Cry 4, which is the forerunner to Far Cry 5? Uh, did yeah. you have, what was your impression of, of that game? I mean, I'm not very familiar with it, so uh, uh, so do you think that's fairly harmless, or uh, or, or what sort of, sort of ideologies oh. are, are in that one? I really don't think any game is um, like that. Shooting up games are harmless, but I do like shooting games. So um, I don't really follow the story. I just like, um, yeah, I just like shooting shooting games. And that's an interesting uh, point to bring up too. A response from Brad Huddleston, because uh, a lot of these games are shoot 'em up games, and there's a certain, you know, the old uh, hand-eye coordination idea. But uh, it's an adventure that people are on, and uh, and they are shooting. Uh, your thoughts on shoot 'em up type games, Brad Huddleston? Well, one of the things that I always bring out: there have been studies done on the shooters here in America of the schools. Uh, where the shooters, the students went in with guns and, and, and others who shot their, uh, shot up the schools and killed a bunch of other students. And there came out with two common denominators. They were all the victims of bullying. In other words, they had all been bullied. And one of the points that I make, uh, now we know there's a link with post-traumatic stress disorder and people who have been bullied and a, a percentage, not all, but a percentage of people with PTSD get violent. Number two, the second common thread was they were all first person shooter video game players and so i think you you can draw a clear connection there because of all of them having been playing shooter games so for some people they do seem to meld into the game and it changes the way they think and we know from neuroplasticity which is the brain's malleability that garbage in garbage out it does change to whatever you feed it Thank you so much to Anna in Queensland for your input. Let's take some more calls and we'll need to be quick with them. Uh, Jonathan is in Perth in WA. Hello, Jonathan. Yes. Jonathan, what are your thoughts? Yes, you know that as we were talking about um, DVD or any game, you know it, it have an impact on the mind of a man as you deal with it spiritually and mentally, it weakens your mind. 
and so it give you addiction because doing things over and over again it, it give you problem spiritually. So sit it down and eat your time. Otherness is getting getting your time out of you, and nothing you have to do is you know anything that we do in the world spiritually, also physically. The enemy went into it and get behind it and use it as a means of distracting us from every future thing, and we have become useless in the community because watching game, watching game, he robs you of interest and everything from you. Jonathan, uh, good thoughts in there. Uh, there are an awful lot of things that can be distracting uh, by way of taking us away from the things of God. Your thoughts, Brad Huddleston? Absolutely. I would say, Neil, I always put a picture up at the end of my presentations of a group, a large group of teenagers who are texting at the same time. In other words, all of them are standing there together, but their heads are all down staring at their phones. And I'll say the reason I do what I do is because of those kids. What you're looking at in that picture when they're staring into their phones that intently, that's a deep, deep, deep intimacy, a total giving over of their affections, their allegiance, and their emotions. And if I'm hearing God and writing these books and running around the planet doing all this research, it is simply this. Jesus is saying, I wish my people felt that way about me. I wish they would stare into my face all the time. I wish the moment I sent a notification through, they would grab me and figure out what I'm trying to say to them. And their allegiance would be such that they would take me to the bedroom. When they wake, when they wake up in the middle of the night, they would scroll through my word to figure out what I'm trying to say. The intimacy that God has designed for us has been put onto the technology. I've never once said we should burn our technology, but it's clearly out of control, and it's getting in, in the way of a deep, intimate relationship with Jesus for a lot of Christians around the world. Thank you to Jonathan from Perth in WA. Let's take one more call. Uh, let's hear from Deborah in Queensland. Hello, Deborah. Welcome along. Hello. How are you? God bless you. Thank you, Deborah. And uh, what are your thoughts on our conversation? I was reading in Psalm 101, it says, I will sing of the mercy and judgments of the O Lord. And he talks about in Psalm 1013, it says, I will set nothing wicked before my eyes. That's a psalmist. And he says, I hate the work of them that turn aside, it shall not cleave to me. And the Lord wants us to set an example. He wants us to be ambassadors. And the fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, meekness, and self-control, which I have a problem with myself. <laughs> but uh, we all have those issues, but those are set, those set examples for us. And we need to think on those things, what are lovely and what whatever is pure. And that's hard for kids because they want to play the hero. And I understand that. They want to be the good guys. But Jesus never carried machine guns. <laughs> So I just, you know, it's hard because um, we have to recognize that we are supposed to be meek, and the meek shall inherit the kingdom of heaven. So I just wanted to share that with you. Well, that is a great thing to share. Your thoughts, Brad Huddleston? Amen. Amen. Um, I like her accent as well. (laughs) Okay. Thank you so much to Deborah from Queensland. We won't be able to take any more calls. Thanks to everyone who has called through. Uh, Let's see if we can end our conversation on a high note. Uh, Let me ask you, Brad, because we're talking about so many ways that these video games affect people, is there, and I I must say uh, that when I was first alerted about the uh, issues with this particular game we've been talking about, Far Cry 5, it was a young man who shared with me uh, that this game was coming, and uh, he's been studying 
computer games and their creation and wants to have a career in that area. Uh, what are your thoughts, Brad Huddleston, about people as Christian believers taking their Christian faith into the whole uh, games technology and development of these games so that there might be a positive effect that comes through? Because clearly the addictive nature of these means they're going to be more and more. What are your thoughts, Brad Huddleston? Prior to neuroscience, I would have encouraged it. I would have said, um, you know, take your Christian faith into every dimension, just like we would tell someone who has business skills, take that into the business world and finance the kingdom of God, for example. God's giftings are for everyone in every dimension. In that arena, though, after studying neuroscience and the brain scans and watching what the video games are doing, and then finally learning that the brain does not distinguish content, in other words, a Christian video game will get you just as addicted as Far Cry 5. Uh, I have taken those off the table. So uh, I have very disturbed uh, young people come to me on a fairly regular basis after hearing me speak saying, should I change direction? And I would say, no, not necessarily. I wouldn't say change direction. Just pick another area of media where it's not as immersive, where you can take long breaks, because technology is not going anywhere, and Christians need to be in that dimension. I have a computer science degree, and I didn't swear off my degree when I learned all of this. But I think in some areas, some things, as the Scripture says, are beneficial, and some things are not. And so stay away from the things that are not beneficial. Okay, good advice. And if we talk about your website for a few moments, because uh, I do like to leave listeners with somewhere to go to uh, get some extra resource or extra understanding of these sorts of things. Uh, If we talk about your website, bradhuddleston.com, what sort of things will people see when they go to your site, Brad? Well, one of the areas that I would point them to, Neil, um, is the uh, podcast section. The last time I was with you, you graciously had me on, and we talked about the Pornea series that is uh, available through Vision um, Christian Media. And that uh, entire conversation is on there. I have been interviewed on iTunes' number one uh, podcast for Christian men uh, on the planet, and that is on there. Uh, I just came back from South Africa and interviewed someone at a seminary, the Bible Institute of South Africa. I interviewed Dr. Victor Culligan there on the inerrancy of Scripture. So there are a lot of resources there, but a lot of that, most of that would be centered around technology. So on the podcast, I take these interviews, uh, like what we're doing tonight, and put them on there. And there are a whole bunch of YouTube clips uh, that, that are linked on there as well. And so I'd be honored for people to visit. There's a contact button up there if they have any further questions after hearing us speak tonight. I'd be more than happy to, to answer those questions through through email as well. So all that can be found, invitation, a, a page there to invite me to come and speak, that sort of thing. Be more than happy to respond. And thank you, Neil, for mentioning the website. Uh, I'll also mention your books, and they are available from Vision Store. Uh, the author uh, of Digital Cocaine, you mentioned that a little earlier in our conversation, Digital Cocaine, A Journey Toward Eye Balance, and The Dark Side of Technology, Restoring Balance in the Digital Age, and you also mentioned uh, the DVD series Pornea, A Global Tragedy, uh, Drawing on the Latest Neuroscience with Biblical Strategies to Overcome Addictions to Pornography and uh, Digital Addictions. So uh, you can get those uh, through Vision Store. Uh, There'll be a link there on vision.org.au. The website there, once again, bradhuddleston.com, or you can get some of those resources in Vision Store. Brad, uh, thanks so much for taking some time, for staying up a little late in Virginia in the United <laughs> States. Uh, it'll be bedtime for you, and uh, but thank you so much for sharing your heart with us today on 2020. 
Yeah, thank you so much, Neil, and send my greetings to everyone at the station. They're looking forward to catching up with everyone in September. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.